Welcome to the Light Switch Podcast by Luminate Student Ministry, a place for the skeptic, the Bible believer, as well as everyone in between. As you know, our world is often in the dark. Our hope is to flip the switch on topics surrounding biblical engagement, apologetic arguments, spiritual formation, and emotional wellness. We want Jesus Christ to illuminate every aspect of your life so that you can shine the light of Christ in every situation. Hey everybody, this is Aaron. Hey, this is Matthew. We have a fun episode for you today. A little bit of a different episode. (laughs) I'm sorry. No! I love it. We have to say this. This has to happen. (laughs) Matthew was looking at me weird. I was not. Every time we start a podcast, Aaron and I, every time it's, it's something along the lines of, and we've got a podcast for you, or we've got an episode for you. We've got a great show in store. You for know you. what I just learned? <laughs> we have the capability, you have the capability to comment on a podcast episode. Can you do that in, in support of me? <laughs> Please, you know what? Objectively, you will find this is a fun episode. (laughs) Yes, it is a fun episode. You will find that it is a very cool episode, but it's just anyway, Matthew. Why is this such a fun episode today? (laughs) Because uh, we decided to take the light switch on the road. Yeah, we packed up uh, a microphone um, and we sat down and we interviewed college students. Which was super cool. I, I uh, you'll hear a lot of people in the background. You'll hear conversations. Um, we're very excited about this particular episode um, because a lot of our students are heading into the college world, and the things that we're talking about here are these that these college students are talking about are uh, very influential in how kids are going to continue. Students are going to continue to develop spiritually mentally, emotionally, and um, through biblical engagement, which are all things that we're um, passionate about here at The Light Switch. And so um, we're super excited to hear about these kids and what they're going through, what's distracting. We're also going to be talking about two two questions. Uh, and those two questions are, one, what's distracting you in life right now? And then the next one is, uh, how has your family of origin impacted your spiritual, uh, your spiritual life or your spiritual development? Um, and then from there, we're going to dialogue about what we hear. Yeah, Matthew probably doesn't feel like this is a fun episode because Randy's not on it. <laughs> <laughs> What's hilarious is I was literally looking at Erin, waiting for her to speak. because I And she had this look in her face like, I'm totally going to say this. <laughs> She was holding on that one for a long time. Yeah, so, but genuinely, we are really excited about this for everything that Matthew had just said. Uh, the structure of this podcast, Matthew had explained it. We're going to be talking through these two questions with the various amounts of input. And then you'll hear Matthew and I commentate on what we think about those responses, going towards a conclusion uh, that we can kind of project of what this means, how we can all, as you as a listener, we as pastors, we all as a church, Uh, can synthesize everything that's going on yeah so without further ado let's let's get into it get into it biggest distraction in life right now is planning for the future. My social and academic life. Uh, just my own mind just wondering. Probably fear. The unknown. Being busy. Instagram reels. My distraction would probably just be my schedule. All right, let's do this. 
I am here with Levi. Levi, hi, how are you? Tell us a little bit about yourself. Doing pretty good. I'm a student at Indiana Wesleyan University. Uh, I'm a youth and pastoral ministry major. I play football here at Indiana Wesleyan. Awesome. Okay, so uh, what has been distracting you lately, and how do you think you can solve that? So a couple things that come to mind. First, social media, mindlessly scrolling. Um, I actually have a weird relationship with Instagram. I will delete it, download it, delete it, and download <laughs> it because I need it for some stuff and then I leave it there and then it distracts me so I delete it. And it's just a reoccurring cycle. Um, it was very complicated. It is, it's a weird love-hate relationship. <laughs> Um, what I can do about it is be more disciplined that right when I use it, delete it again. Um, other distractions I have is people when I need to work, which is the best distraction. I love that distraction. Um, but sometimes stuff needs to get done, you know? And so uh, having social boundaries of like, hey, I gotta go get work, we can catch up later. So. The biggest thing that's distracting me right now, um, well, it's myself, okay. but it's like just in the way that I'm, um, at least at the beginning of the semester, the, all the things I took on mm. in the sense of trying to do, yeah, like just really trying to um, <clears throat> serve God in yeah. so many different areas that I can, yeah, which led to taking on too many areas right. and forgetting that, you know, that God doesn't need me. Yes. So it's like, you know, he, there are some things I can say no to. Yes, um, yes. It's, it's kind of more of a, you gotta tough it out for now mm -hmm. and while still making the top priorities, the top priorities, right. so that just makes your schedule look different. Yeah. Uh, and then you can adjust again when you're going into a different semester. Absolutely, a different season, right? Yeah. So what do you think is the solution for you right now? Solution for me right now, it's, it's been, good timing of the question because it's a solution that I had like figured out a bit ago yeah um, but it's just taking some time away from other areas mm -hmm. it's like oftentimes people will phrase like finding time with God like yeah. I just got to find time to spend with God throughout yeah. the day when most of the time in college it's you got to make it mm -hmm. you know in life really right. um, you, you got to make time um, that, are, that is sectioned off that where you can directly spend it with God. Yeah. Um, and so that's kind of what I've have, had to have been, that's what I've had to do the past um, week or two where I uh, took some time out of whatever area, yeah. whether it was sometimes sleep. <gasps> and believe me, I was kicking and screaming on that one. Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> and don't tell any professors this or whether yeah. it was some assignments. Oh, man. <laughs> but I'm a good student. <laughs> Just not always. <laughs> My biggest distraction is probably 
conversations that I need to have back home when I go home for spring break. So that's just something that's always that's been on my mind lately. Wow. Yeah. Okay. So like you're just trying to amp yourself up for something that you know yes. you need to happen. Yeah. Are you? Is it fear? Yeah, a little bit. It's a it's a little bit of fear, a little bit of anxiousness, and also just like a little bit of dread. It's all, right. all of the things encompassing into one. What's distracting you right now? What would that be? Uh, it's part of our culture to fill up our time with as many things as possible, yeah. whether that's work, school, extracurricular clubs. Yeah. And we're like almost encouraged to join all these, which is great to an extent. Yeah. But it can often just fill up your time and make it yeah. almost too busy. Literally burden you to the point of anxiety. Yes. <laughs> yeah. What would you say is your practical strategy for slowing down? Yeah. I, I would honestly say like, uh, just kind of more think about like what is the reason you're joining the club is it just to be more part of something or is there like a greater purpose to it yeah and so that way while you were there you can truly just uh for like me personally just be in the moment and really um just as i'm going about my day-to-day life rather than just hustling and getting from point a to point b yeah. just slow down and take it in that yeah. uh this is a blessing that god has given us today yeah man that's beautiful dude i appreciate that thanks so much man thank you yeah absolutely So Aaron, I, you were right at the beginning to say that this is a really cool episode uh, because I think that this is something extremely unique. We had the opportunity to get the perspective of all of these students, and these are college students. This is a Christian campus, and these are the things that they're saying are distracting them. And so um, Aaron, let's just dive into like even this, this last person that we were interviewing. Uh, I think his name was Braden. What was it that you found so inspiring or so interesting about his particular question. I think he was the only one out of the people that we interviewed to question our desire Mm. within our distraction. He said, what is the reason? What is the reason you're joining that club or activity? I love that question. Yeah. Because it it gets to the root of the issue. Are you like, are you looking for community? Is that why you're joining? Are you looking for a, a line on your resume? Are you looking for um, authentic intimacy in the uh, the platonic sense, right? The, the desire to just literally be with a group of people, to have genuine community with them, right? It could be, you know, different, different things, right? Yeah. So from these people that we've heard from, I'm noticing, uh, and even from the people that we did not show on this podcast because yeah, we interviewed a lot more yeah than just these people yeah yeah they they these guys made the cut <laughs> that sounds really bad but that's not true. <laughs> it's not like that at all other times other people's audio was just really bad and that yeah. was our fault yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but, lots of table tapping and, yeah exactly yeah. but anyway what i found was most of people's distractions were people related yeah it was service or busyness yep. related yep. or emotions related. Yeah. I, I Also, one thing to also note is that none of those things are inherently evil things. No. Right? None of those things are sinful. None of those things are, uh, are um, they're distractions, but none of them are things that you're like, hey, you shouldn't be participating in this kind of a thing. Right. 
And I think that that's something that's always interesting about distractions is they're rarely, rarely ever in and of themselves inherently evil. Um, Hmm. But they can lend themselves to inherently evil things, Mm -hmm. right? So that's really interesting. That's really interesting that you'd say that. So can you tell us again, what, what did each of those, what were each of the categories that you found? Yeah, so we'll try to kind of go through this a little bit quickly here. <laughs> From Liam, <laughs> I just was genuinely laughing at his responses yeah. because it was so funny to me how <laughs> he'd be like, I'd go on social media and then and delete just, it. Yep, yep. And he's like, my solution to that is just to delete it quicker. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's so true. Like, like, he was genuinely a really fun guy to talk was. to. Yeah, I remember him. He was cool. <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Um, That's hilarious, though. Can you imagine you download it? You know you've reached the level of ninja when you download it and immediately delete it. You don't even open it or log in. Like, that's that was my hilarious. relationship. <laughs> right. So we had social media. We had people, the social boundaries. That was yeah. Liam. He said that again. Yeah. And we were just joking. We love Eli. Yeah. Eli was the second guy that we interviewed. Yeah. And I was joking with Matthew. I was like, Eli was just like basically saying, I just... I serve God too much. <laughs> yeah, that's not at all what Typical he was saying. Typical pastor's kid. I just, you know, I care no. too much. No, and that's not at all what he was saying. Not at but all. he did say that he lent himself out to yeah. uh, a lot of busyness, yeah. and a lot of that because of his genuine heart for ministry yeah. was ministry related. Right, and that was, what was that's what I do appreciate about Eli's uh, particular interview is, is that. He does. He he had to come to the realization that there there are, and this is what we ended up talking about a little bit after we were off the microphone. I wish we had caught it, but he ended up talking about how there's a priority, there's a level of priorities that you have to set yeah. for what you want to look at right. or what you want to what you want to participate in. And right now, your job or your school or your thing that you're participating in that is uh, pertains to your future is your priority. Right. And so it was just really, really cool to see him at his age kind of come to that realization, because even us, right, as pastors, there are good things and there are bad things or not bad things. There are just there are good things. There are really good things and there are more good things. Yeah. And we could participate in all of them. Absolutely. But it's like, what do we choose to have to utilize our personalities, to utilize yeah. our strengths. It's all to... about margin. Exactly. Yeah, so it's a question of margin. Right. Some of his instruction was granted as a college student homework. Yep. And Maddie was the girl. Mm-hmm. She actually did not have a solution, which I, I find to be really interesting. Yeah. But what made her response so unique, and maybe you picked up on this too, was her distraction was a conversation mm-hmm. in the future. And a lot of people's distraction is oh future goodness. oriented like planning planning for their future yeah. wondering what their future is yeah. and personally i could so relate to maddie i worry so much about future conversations i need right. to have and i just find that to be so relatable to my right. life to all of our lives of saying right. it's not just being distracted with what i need to do now it's man my emotions my thought life yeah. takes up so much space yeah. in my mind. It's those intrusive thoughts. Mm-hmm. It's those 
catastrophic thinking. Mm-hmm. It's the, uh, what are those things called? Cognitive distortions. We'll link down in the description yeah. 10 thought distortions. Yes. Yeah. And, and it would help any of you guys who are listening to Absolutely. this. Check out our show it's helped notes. It's us. Oh my goodness. This, and I was first introduced to this from a book um, titled The Coddling of the American Mind. Yeah. And both Aaron and I have read that book. Love that book. Love that book. It talks a lot about particularly college campuses and, um, but it is true for every, every person listening to this podcast that it is a, a incredible resource. Absolutely love that book. Another book that mentions this is J.P. Moreland, Finding Quiet. Mm-hmm. Also a really good author. That man fought through depression, anxiety. Yeah. Um, really, another really, really good resource, Finding Quiet by J.P. Moreland. Yeah, for sure. We'll put both of those in the uh, show notes or the description yeah. um, of, the, of this episode. And then, so. of course, we have Raiden end us really strongly. Yeah. Uh, with just the transparency with busyness in our culture. And we yeah. had just done an episode on Light Switch called The Grind. Yeah. Which that mentions a lot of that social contagion of the endless rush for achievement mm-hmm. to our emotional and spiritual detriment. Yeah. Yeah. So... Uh, definitely check out that podcast as well called The Grind. Uh, that was actually one of our former students that was here yeah. uh, at Keystone Church uh, back when our student ministry was called Echo. Um, and yeah, I can't encourage you guys more to uh, check that out and hear the testimony of what the grind culture or the culture of high achievement or like, I think you just called it the busyness lifestyle. What did you call that? Yeah, it can be a lot of the things like yeah. the... Uh, busyness, achievement-oriented. Yeah. We talked about three temptations in yeah. that episode. From emotionally healthy spirituality. Yes, it's from that book, yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So, so yeah, can't more highly recommend those kinds of resources as potential solutions to a lot of the distractions even that we have here. Um, and that's one of the things that I loved about, I think that I just wanted to touch really quickly about Maddie again. Because I, I think one thing we, as we were uh, dialoguing, it's that idea of it's the fear of the future yeah. that debilitates us. Yeah. And what's so why this is so pertinent to Christianity is, is that we do not have a God that is in the present with us only. We have a God that is outside of time and therefore he already knows what the future holds. He holds our tomorrow and all tomorrow holds. Like there is nothing that surprises him. And so there's actually a song uh, called He Already Knows. And I would highly encourage you guys to go check that out. It's a really great reminder that you don't actually have to be afraid of the future uh, because he already knows. And one of the cool things about the Christian faith is that we do not have a God who is distant from us. We have a God who is walking with us in our struggles, in our trials. And he is not ambivalent to us. And so if you're finding yourself there, maybe you're a skeptic and you just thought this was an interesting thought or this is an interesting podcast. Um, genuinely, this is the gospel, is that we have a God who chose to dwell with us in our messes and to walk with us in those messes. Uh, and so I can't more highly encourage you guys to, um, to lean into that and remember the hope that you have in Christ. Uh, let's change gears here. And go into our second section of this episode where we will hear about uh, something that Matthew and I 
uh, are very passionate about is building up our congregation here at Keystone to be more mission-oriented in their family systems. Mm -hmm. Family systems is incredibly important. And we would be fools if we say our families had no impact on us. Or Uh, little impact. Little impact on us. No matter our families of origin, uh, we are shaped by them. And it forms us who we are today, either in reflecting who they are or in trying to be someone who is different from how you grew up. So that gives way to our second question. Has your family helped shape your faith? How or how not? Let's uh, hear from these students. I grew up in a Christian family. Um, My parents became Christians when my brother was born. My brother's three years older than me. Uh, So they kind of introduced Christianity to my family. And um, even though my extended family, they believe, but um, I don't think they really lean into their faith. My parents set really good examples for my brother and I. And um, learning, like, the balance between, you know, life is hard and, and hurt but also we have hope in what's to come and picking yourself up by your bootstraps and keep going because God's got you. Um, So yeah. So my mom's a pastor actually and so I've grown up in the church like all my life and so they've definitely showed me like both my mom and my dad have showed me like what a good marriage looks like and what having Jesus at the center really looks like. So, yeah. yeah, my family has a fun uh, history with the Lord. Um, my parents kind of grew up Catholic, but uh, their practice was very legalistic. And so, um, they didn't have a full understanding of God's love, so they didn't very much disciple us very well. My sister came to know the Lord when she was in college. Uh, she's 14 years older than me, so that she began to disciple me a little bit. And so uh, my family, I'm, an, I'm the youngest of six, and so my family has a wide variety of um, spiritual maturity and where they're at in their relationship with the Lord and how they see Christianity. And so uh, family reunions are a fun mix because I'm going to be a pastor. Yeah. Uh, my sister's completely committed to the Lord, but then I have some other siblings that um, don't really want to do anything with it. So um, it's been awesome because I've seen how much uh, your family can influence your, your faith as well as not influence your faith um, because I've been discipled more than my siblings were. Mm. Thank you for sharing that. Yeah. My family, I grew up in a family that uh, didn't really take me to church, mm. and so it caused me to be very individualistic in my faith, mm-hmm. but it also grew me in ways that um, it's honestly hard to describe. It caused me to see my faith and how it's shaped by those around me, and mm. how the, the community and the body of Christ is actually mm-hmm. um, building us up. When, when we're down, so. Yeah, man, that's awesome. 
So obviously you still have this experience with your family and stuff. Like what are some ways that I guess when you go back, how do you interact with your family now differently that you have this newfound faith and a deeper faith as you've come to say? You know, interactions with my family is hard sometimes. Um, mm -hmm. I remember over winter break, my mom told me something that was very hard. Mm. She's like, I don't like the new you. Mm. <laughs> that, is, that is hard. Yeah. But um, to see them start to lean into their faith because I'm emboldened by the Holy Spirit to mm. go out and to meet people where mm -hmm. they're at. Man, I love this question because I think that our family of origin and uh, our family system that we've grown up in is tremendously important to our spiritual development. Absolutely. Um, I've been, and you too, Matthew, have been reading through and thinking through the concepts from this book, Emotionally Healthy Spirituality. Yeah. By yeah. Peter Scazzaro, and he talks a lot about genograms, which is mapping out your family history um, generationally, and how our families of origin, as you just said, contribute to in a, at a deep level <laughs> to how we are formed today. And if we say we're Christians, how then we integrate into the new family of Jesus, which is the church. Yeah. And it's one of those things where, and this is the hard reality, is that sometimes, as you can see from a lot of these, even some of these interviews, especially Levi's, yeah, that a family of origin doesn't always impact your spiritual development positively. Yeah. What I also like about Levi's testimony is that it wasn't due directly to his parents. Mm -hmm. That I think he said they grew up Catholic. Yes. Is that right? Yeah. But that his Legalistic sister. Legalistic in their practices. And yeah. Yeah. But that his sister mm -hmm. came to know Jesus in a personal relationship in college. And so when she finds her relationship with Jesus, she comes home, shares that with him. He then is discipled primarily by his sister yeah, and not his nuclear family system, right? It wasn't a top-down dad hierarchy says, this is what we're going to believe. Yeah. It was um, a, a, a sister that came in. My mom was discipled by her aunt, hmm. right? Again, not just the mom-dad brother, sister, nuclear family, it was an extension of that family that brought that person, my mom in particular, to, to a, a growing relationship with Jesus Christ. And then it wasn't until my mom met my dad that she really started asking hard questions. And then they had to walk through that together. Again, not from her family of origin, but, but from an extension of her family of origin. Yeah. Yeah. And it's interesting. I had that family system growing up too. My family was very stable. I had a very stable household, a very good relationship with my family, but my mother and my father grew up Catholic, yep. very strictly Catholic. 
when they got into college, they totally dropped it because they didn't need to keep that anymore right. <laughs> from their from my grandparents. I love my grandparents. Um, but I, I remember that that caused a lot of hostility with in their mind regarding God, faith, yeah. any religious practice. And that really formed in them uh, not the idea of a loving, caring God. Yeah. And I remember when I was in middle school, I had a <laughs> I had a uh, lock in. <laughs> I my dad took my friend Madison and I, and he picked us up. And, you know, I was raving about this experience and everything, <laughs> and I got into the car. And I was telling my dad all of the things oh, yeah. that, like, yeah. from the speaker, what they said, and, you know, all the, you know, we got into the sumo suit yeah. and tackled it, all those things, right? Yeah. But my dad grows quiet in the car. And mm-hmm. Madison, my friend, is a believer. Her mom discipled me. Yeah. Um, single mother. And so I've always been kind of embarrassed to have Madison around my family because I'm like, oh, what if she, like, really finds out I'm oh, did come from a Christian home? Yeah. And... My dad says, you know, Aaron, you shouldn't believe everything that you hear. And I remember hearing that in middle school. I kind of brushed it off after that. But in my adulthood, I really realized how significant that moment was. And it was truly that onward, I started to become a little bit more reflective of why did my dad say that? Right. And I realized after that, oh, I need to be individualistic in my faith within my family yeah. because yeah. they don't want to hear about it. Which that's a hard thing to say yeah. and to do. It's a hard thing. It's a hard enough thing to say. Yeah. It's, it's an even harder thing to do that you would take your, the ownership of your own faith into your own hands. Yeah. And that's a really compelling story, Aaron, because I kept that into adulthood yeah. and still in my own life, I have a lot of individualistic tendencies sure. and I, I need to constantly fight against those Sure, because as we mentioned at the start of the section, uh, regarding emotionally healthy spirituality, we can't yeah. be individualistic in our faith. Correct. Um, yeah. and so I, I'm still working against that grain yeah. that was built up in me. And and the reason why, again, so I so appreciate you sharing that is because what you're demonstrating is, is, is that there's oftentimes, and this might be a more of an apologetic perspective than anything, but there's like, well, you're just a Christian because you grew up in America. Mm. You're just a Christian because, well, you know, that's what you were born into. Yeah. And it's like, no, we're rapidly coming to a point in our country where that's not the case anymore. Um. And so the choice, and it's actually a beautiful thing. I, I'm never going to be the person who's be like, a little persecution might do us some good, you know, really weed out the, the weak Christians. Like that's never a healthy thing because the people who are persecuted aren't the people saying that. It's their kids usually. So the reason why I'm saying that is because what's happening is the parents of kids are not taking ownership of their faith, but their kids are. Yeah. And so... It's not this, oh, you were born in America, so you're a Christian. It's you have to seek out now the evidence for the Christian faith, even in America. And so I was actually asked this uh, a couple days ago, are Christians just Christians so they don't go to hell? And that's not the reason we're Christians. We're Christians because it's true. We're Christians because there's evidence. We're not fools. 
And Aaron, again, I, I just appreciate your story because your story is one that says it's not about what I was born into. It's about what's true. And your dad's absolutely right. That's the crazy thing. I know. Is don't believe everything you hear. I know. I know how he meant it, though. Yeah. And it's like, I, I plan on telling my kid that. Don't believe everything you hear. Yeah. Because it can go both ways. I love my dad. <laughs> we yeah. have the same sense of humor. Yeah. We have the same behavioral tendencies. <laughs> I love my dad. Don't get me wrong on that. Um, he probably won't be listening yeah. to that anyway. <laughs> to be fair. <laughs> Podcast. <laughs> but it has been such a complex statement for me to work out. I think similarly, especially with Hunter, right. I really relate to Hunter. <laughs> that statement that his mom made to him, yeah. I don't like the new you. Yeah. Oh uh, my gosh, my heart just breaks for him. I know. But it also, I'm, I'm glad though that he's taking that not as an evidence of okay, I should drop Christianity yeah. thing so that I can model my family of origin. Mm-hmm. It's like, no, how can I meet my mom where she's at? Yeah. Because the other thing, Matthew, is you can be raised in a Christian household who knows all the evidence yes, for faith. 100%. But where have we gone wrong in Christianity is saying that we cannot have an emotionally aware oh. relationship with Jesus that also knows facts. Yes. And that's where we also go wrong. Yes. If you're a parent listening to this, yes, get your child into a Bible study and involvement yes. in church, but care for their emotions. Yes. Care be, the the amount of things going on in a student's mind mm-hmm. as they are growing up yeah. <laughs> is wild yes. and needs to be cared for. Yes. And you can't solve that with a Bible study. No. (laughs) No, but you can solve it with, maybe not solve it, but you can comfort it. You can can validate and mirror and uh, allow a person to express what's happening without judgment or shame. Yep. And And you're not negating the facts or the evidence of Christianity at all. Nope. You're actually boosting it. Exactly. And so when a person comes to you and says, this is how I feel. Yeah. You can say, hey, I really appreciate that that's how you feel. How do we move forward into truth, right? Not that how what you're feeling is not true, mm-hmm. but that your feelings are a like your five senses. They are an indication of what's happening inside of you, and they they are an indication of how you're perceiving or working through certain issues and certain things. Totally valid, but they need to be in check. Yeah, and that's what the community does. Mm-hmm. So parent or even student, whoever you are, you are, if you're sitting there and you're seeing that the majority of how you operate is based on, I feel this way, that's a problem. Yeah. But likewise, if you're sitting there as a dad or a mom, particularly as a dad, because dads are not as emotionally available, often, that's not uh, often a, a, a complete blanket statement, but yeah. are oftentimes not emotionally available. And so dads, if you're sitting there saying, well, the facts of the matter are you're also contributing to the problem. I'm not going to come talk to a dad or a mom who just tries to fix me. Mm-hmm. I'm going to sit with a I'm going to sit with a student and I have sat with students. And I'm sure you have as well, Aaron, where they're terrified to go talk to their parents yeah. because they don't know what their mom or dad are going to say. Yep. And it's like, where did we go wrong? There's no Bible verse for that. 
sometimes we've sat with students that only want to talk to their parents because their parents don't point them towards evidence or truth. They just point them towards their emotions. Yeah. And they're scared to sit with us as pastors who will confront them with truth. <laughs> it's like... Everything we're saying right now sounds like a complete contradiction. But I, I hope I, I hope you're sensing where we are coming from is that there is a, there is a balance and there's a yes. designed balance. Yeah. Which I don't and I don't mean to interrupt you, Aaron, here. But no, you're good. This is one of the reasons why I love working with you is because I am the emotional, un, emotionally unavailable person. I don't think that's well, true. <laughs> let me let me explain what I mean okay. by that is I mean. I am more prone to the facts. I'm more prone to truth than I am grace. Let's look on work on that that scale, right? Well, truth isn't apart from grace, right? But you know what I'm yeah, saying. I, I feel you. Yeah, I feel yeah, you. Yeah. I feel you. Um, I'm more prone to. I'm gonna hit you in the face. I'm gonna hit you hard with some truth. Okay. <laughs> There's no grace there. And what I love about you is I love how you are oftentimes you you hold to truth so well. But you have this touch of grace where you have this discernment in conversations that you've had with students that you're, you'll talk to me about. And the thing I notice is, is that I'm like, I'll, I'll like flip around and be like, Whoa! and I'll like go to like, this is what you should have said. And then you say, but you know what? It just wasn't the time. It's not, <laughs> it's not the spot for it. Right. And so what I love about that is I love that. And this is something for parents to understand is that there is a time and a place for truth. But the majority of what our students need right now is to be cared for in grace with truth. So when your kid comes to you and says, I feel like the world's against me, you say, okay, but I'm not against you. Hmm. Because the world would be everyone, wouldn't it? Hmm. Well, I'm not. So there's one person on your side. (laughs) And then you just dispel that cognitive distortion, right? It's bringing the truth in love with grace to say, I'm with you in this and let's us together solve this or work through this or uh, experience this together. Yeah. It's, it's that. And that's what I so appreciate about, about how you operate with our students because it's a model to our parents. I mean, you don't have any kids, but it's a, um, oftentimes people will be like, well, you, she doesn't have any kids. So what's she know about parenting? (laughs) I've, let me be clear. No one has ever said that to me. So, <laughs> I was like, oh, wait a minute. Yeah. <laughs> do we need to talk about something? <laughs> no, we do not. My Absolutely arms be like really yeah. fast now. <laughs> I'm just, no. no one has ever said that to me. Okay. But that was actually what was said to me very frequently. Yes. And I remember being extremely before, before frustrated about that. Yeah. 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 And... Paul didn't have Paul the apostle didn't have kids. Shoot, Jesus didn't have any children. You're gonna be like, what do they know about parenting? Jesus, it's like falling short again. Dude, I <laughs> that was clip bad. it no. right there. You heard it here first on the light switch. <laughs> Jesus falling short again. Anyway, wow, on I, the eve sh- of Easter. <laughs> oh my word! Oh my All word. right. <laughs> Aaron's going to go back through and edit this entire section out. (laughs) Uh, I I see hints of this, too, in in Gracie's story, Mm. because she said her parents came to Christ as soon as her brother was born. Yeah. Which, man, certain seasons of life really uh, ease us into 
uh, a relationship with Christ. And a child being born is definitely one of them. It is. But she mentioned her extended family and how she noticed the difference between the people who say they're Christians and those who live out their faith. Yeah. And I think a, a takeaway, too, is it's very obvious in our family systems, in our friends, in our uh in our family, friends, whatever it be, in any system that we find ourselves in, it's very obvious when people live out their faith and when they do not. Correct, yeah. And so to that end, um, I think that that's the pragmatic landing for us, or the, the practical landing for us, is how are you and your family system integrating people outside of your family system mm. to further the gospel within your community. Yeah. So if you're a family of four and you're, you have your, your mom, your dad, you got your brother, you got your sister, like your standard family of four, how are you connecting with the grandparents to pour into your kids? How are you connecting with, um, other people that might be outside a small group leader at church exactly a small group leader at church how are you as a family engaging and encouraging the people in your community to take seriously their own spiritual process and journey it's not outsourcing to those people it's in support with everybody it's you bring them over for a meal and you ask them a question and this isn't even a spiritual question what was your first date like with your wife oh Right. What was your, yeah. how did you like, uh, I think of Mick Warzniak, right? Dude's legit. <laughs> He'll be on the, an upcoming podcast. He should, he will be. He, yeah. that will be a fun episode. That will be. I'm claiming it now. <laughs> so we don't have to say it at the beginning. But one of the things that he says is his earliest memory is turning around with the water hitting him in the shins of Lake Superior. And he turns around and sees all of his brothers coming home from World War II. He's three years old Whoa. and he says, that's one of my first memories. Wow. What would that look like to a high schooler right now to hear that? Yeah. I remember uh, seeing my brothers coming home from world war two, mm. all of them, six or I think it's like five or six of them. Like that's unheard of. And then he has this just wild stories like that. And you're like, that man has a history of experiences that we as a community need to tap into. Because my grandpa's 91 years old. He's not going to be around forever, but he knows people that have been around for a, that, that were alive 150 years ago Yeah. because of his age. Because 91 years old is only 60 years old. It's only 60 years away from 150. So he would have had relationships with people who were born 150 years ago. It's interesting. Like when, we, when you think about counseling, Though maybe it's intimidating for some people to think about this, but when you go to a counselor, they are someone who is regulated apart from Mm. what is going on in your life circumstance. In the same way, when we look to people in support of our family systems, they too can add a, a regulating factor to how we experience and know faith. Because they are apart from any family history and they are adding on to it. Exactly. No, I really appreciate what you're saying because we need to have those regulating relationships within our normal experience, within our nuclear family systems, within the family systems. Mm-hmm. Whether that's the, the leave it to beavers of the 50s 
right? They'll leave it to Beaver nuclear family of the 50s or that's the single mom who's trying to raise three kids. Yeah. You have to have those outside regulating regulating relationships or you will fall into uh, you'll you, you'll fall into a non-regulated space where you aren't able to process the issues that are going on. And then you're in survival mode and that leads itself to destruction because you can't live in survival mode forever. And unfortunately, that's where most of our kids are is in survival mode. I'd say it's most where adults are. Yeah. Oh, as yeah. Well. It's most of because if they're is. if they're learning survival mode as a child, yeah, they'll continue that as an adult. Yeah. Most likely. Right. Man, this was a fun episode. <gasps> <laughs> you took my line. I did. You're a traitor. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, thank you so much for joining us, Aaron. This was fun. This was fun. <laughs> All right. We will see you guys. <laughs> You're like <laughs> later. See you guys. <laughs>